Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode um, here, you know, is about Jaden Blanchfield. And if you've been following along with Nine Point so far, you know that we love a good underdog story. And Jaden, Jaden's journey is just that. And from Idaho to playing abroad overseas, her journey has so much so much depth about, you know, being relentless, you know, to keep fighting, keep pursuing your dream, even though, you know, you may not know how it's going to happen, but you know that it will. So great story here, great journey, and let's get to it. So, Jaden, the question I ask everyone that comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was, like, your biggest dream and goal you want to achieve? My biggest goal? Um, I think when I started realizing oh, I'm kind of good at this sport was, okay, I want to try and play in college. And what's really funny is I had no idea about the college world at all. Like my volleyball knowledge of the world of volleyball was so small. Um, So I wanted to play in college. And I actually remember telling my club coach, like, yeah, I want to play for Penn State. Because at the time they were like, winning national championships in a row I think they just won their fourth in a row and he just looked at me and laughed and he was like yeah that's not gonna happen (laughs) because I just had no idea about the volleyball world the level and um so yeah that was that was my main goal and um I never thought I was a division one kid like kind of after that conversation and he introduced me to the recruiting process and told me how it works and like all these different levels so I was like okay maybe I can play division two because I'm not that tall I'm a middle was a middle in high school so I was like maybe I can be turned into a right side outside you know so that was kind of my goal um at a young age and where'd you grow kind of that company a big part of your story where'd you grow up I grew up in Boise Idaho so uh medium-sized city it's the Boise area itself is probably 225,000 people, but it's in a valley and there's um, connecting towns and cities. So that valley is probably 600,000 people. And so, so kind of being in Boise and you said you kind of learned that, wow, I'm kind of good at this sport. How did you get all like your access to volleyball during that time? Um, so my access was just a junior high and high school um that was because I also played basketball so I just played the school on the school teams and then I got into AAU basketball which was just local like we stayed in the Boise area we didn't really travel um outside and then um I met a senior on the varsity volleyball team and she started talking about club and all this stuff. So I was like, oh, there's club volleyball. Like I had no idea. Um, so then that's when I got into playing club my sophomore year of high school. Um, had no idea what it was, but then got involved, met a great um, coach and he's now my mentor and still a good friend today. And he, he's honestly a huge help to why I'm, I'm here today. Like all of the credit honestly goes to him because if I didn't meet him or get involved in that club I I don't know if I would have been playing in college or let alone going overseas so when I was reading your article and, I was, and, and like I think I, I missed that part of uh, and I, I was reading like like who is Sully yeah yeah yep coach Sully or Sullivan um yeah he was new to the Boise area when I was playing and he's actually from like southern or middle California, Southern California. I went to Long Beach State, um, was on the team when they won the first national championship um, ever, played with Olympians. Um, so he's just very knowledgeable, um, knows a lot of people in the volleyball world. And yeah, that's kind of how I got my connection to my college team that I ended up playing for, so. So, so once you have the dream, like, you know, I wanna go play in college, and, you know, Foley said, hey, you may not be a D1 talent. Did that kind of like, did t- kind of like kind of hinder your dream or did it, was it still like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to go, I'm still going to be a college athlete. Well, he didn't really say I wasn't D1, 
he never said that actually he just said like Penn State was like not realistic for me um so but I kind of put that like because I didn't know how many like how big the D1 world was and so I was like okay I just thought D1 was just like boom top tier every school is good which every school is good but there is like the mid-major schools and then like the lower D1 schools. Um, so I was thinking D2, cause I wanted to be on a good team. So I want, I was like, okay, maybe top division two. Um, and then I started getting a couple like junior college looks and you know, that was fine, but I didn't really know anything about junior college. Um, and then I, uh, got a couple like mid-major D1 schools looks, but again, like the whole process was super intimidating and I didn't really know how to navigate it all that well, but he helped me a ton. He actually came with me on a couple of recruiting visits because my parents couldn't come. So, yeah. So when you're looking for a school, what was like, what was like one of the things you're looking for in, in, a, in choosing the college? Um, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't care about what I studied. Yeah. Like I knew I wanted to be a volleyball coach early on, just from my high school experience. I had a brand new coach every single year because our head coach just kept leaving or getting fired or whatever the case. Um, so I knew early on, I was like, okay, a, head, a coach can put a huge influence on so many players. And I've had a negative experience with all these coaches. I want to have a positive impact. So I knew I wanted to be a coach. So I didn't really care what I studied. I just was gonna go get an education. And I really liked like athletic training, learning of the body, like in sport. But if I'm gonna play in college, I can't go the athletic training route for division one, division two. Cause that's, you're basically a student athlete mm -hmm. if you do that major. Um, so then I started maybe narrowing it down to like kinesiology, human performance, that type of road. Um, but still knowing that I wanted to be a coach and, but maybe that knowing more about the human body and sport can help me be a better coach um, and how the body works, biomechanics, like all that stuff, energy systems. So um, that was something that it played a little bit of a part, but I honestly didn't really care. I just wanted to go to a good volleyball school. You just want to get there. Yeah, because volleyball was more important to me. Yet when I give advice, because I, I coach kids and they ask like, oh, like, what should I look for in a school? I'm say, I say, make sure you know what you want to study and that you like the school for outside of volleyball because it is really important. Luckily, I um, ended up liking volleyball and stayed on the team and, you know, didn't have any serious injuries that stopped me from playing volleyball. But I always tell that to kids, like if something happens and you can't play volleyball anymore, you want to still like the school. Um, but I did not follow that <laughs> when I was looking because I was never given that advice, yeah. you know? Um, because I, I knew nothing about the recruiting process. You lived it, but now you're like, all right, let, let me give back the knowledge that I learned. Yeah, exactly. So um, I knew that I wanted to get outside of Idaho and experience something else, be away from home. I'm very independent. So I knew I wanted to get away, whether that was just out of state or like on the other side of the country. So that was also something I was looking into. But my number one pri priority was the volleyball program. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's funny thing because like my mom told me the same thing when I was going to college. I just came off an ACL injury and she was like, choose a school, right? You can either, either, you can either go to a school and, you know, be the athlete. And if you get hurt again, you, you may hate it, be, may hate being there, right? Or, or, or go to your school that you love, you know, and walk on, you know, that even if you do make the team or don't make the team, you can still you know, be happy. So that's, that's good advice that you're giving to the kids right there. <laughs> um, so, so you kind of consider yourself an underdog. So as, 
this, you know, you have that dream of getting to college, right? So we're, how do you, I guess, when you, if, you, if, you, if you're getting offers, right, why do why you think of yourself an underdog? Because um, I'm not that tall and I'm not physically huge. I'm not, I mean, volleyball players aren't huge in general, but like my frame isn't that big. Um, and, but I've always been able to jump high. And so that's kind of my strength, but I have to jump high every single time. I have to max my vertical every time I leave the ground in order to still be a good player. So whereas these taller athletes, maybe they're not as fast as me or as coordinated, whatever, but they can take smaller jumps and still be able to hit high around the block, whatever the case is. So I consider my, myself the underdog because I'm not that big. Um, and because I come from an area where volleyball isn't big. Um, so I got a late start to playing volleyball compared to all of my teammates that I played with in college and overseas. And then third, I consider myself the underdog because I've played so many different positions throughout the years. I've never just been able to focus on one position to be good at that one position. Whereas most of my teammates, they've maybe played one or two positions and I've literally played every position besides setter. So like this year I had to step in the role for, to go back and play middle for two weeks because we had two middles get injured and we couldn't get a transfer right away. So I had to step in and play middle for two weeks. Last year I was a libero, I signed as a libero. And then, you know, one of our outsides wasn't playing the best. So then I moved back to outside and yeah. So I've, I've just done it all in high school. I was a middle in college. I got recruited as a middle opposite. So I've just, I've done it all. And that's, those are the three reasons why I consider myself the underdog. Cause I just, I'm late. I'm late compared to everybody else. But it's awesome though, because it kind of makes you almost like that Swiss Army knife. You know, yeah. you know like, coach know that they can depend on Jaden to go anywhere, you know, and, and dominate. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So, so when we got time to get choosing that college, you know, like that, that college, you, you kind of came down to a few choices, right? How'd that go out for you? So, a little bit of backstory I um, went to a junior college summer camp in Idaho and they ended up offering me um, right on the spot and I looked more into the school and I was like wow the school is really good they've won 10 national championships six of them were in a row with three different coaches like okay this might be a good program for me if I don't have anything else or like a four-year program Um, so I ended up committing to them Um, right after my senior high school season, which I think was the best decision for me um, because I was able to play so free later that club season that I ended up having three division one coaches very interested in me. Um, One was Cal State Bakersfield, um, Missouri, Kansas City, and then University of Northern Iowa. So those were my three schools that were interested in me, but, but I had already signed to a junior college. So I had to at least go to that junior college for one semester. Um, and then I could transfer if I wanted to. So that's kind of the backstory there. Um, so I did go to College of Southern Idaho. Um, our season wasn't the greatest. My experience wasn't that great, honestly, but I learned so much being on that team and with that program. Um, And then I ended up transferring. I chose University of Northern Iowa because I wasn't gonna be the star there. And that was my main reason. Because UMKC, I think I would have been a star and Cal State Bakersfield, I think I would have like earned that starting spot a little bit easier is how my club coach explained it. Um, And I, in high school, I was the star and I wasn't getting better, but I was making everybody else better. Mm. And so I wanted to go to a place where I was 
the worst person on the team because then I had a huge um, growth. Yeah. So that's why I chose you and I, and I loved my experience there. I loved my coaches. Um, not a huge fan of Iowa. It's a little too flat for me and way too cold. <laughs> but the school, like in the community, I, I loved. It was great. That's interesting how you said you went there because you're going to, or, you know, you weren't going to be the best player on the team. And I think that's kind of, that's almost kind of rare sometimes nowadays, right? A lot of people go to, go to teams because they want to, you know, be, be the person starting out. So, so, so having that mindset, so you kind of knew you had to work at it, right? Especially these days with the transfer portal, you just go and put your name on this list and you can transfer. Whereas when I transferred, it was, it was a, a long process. It wasn't easy. And my junior college coaches did not make that process any easier for me because they were kind of pissed that I was leaving. Um, even though I like, they were, they knew what was happening. I got these looks. I told them like, I kept them up to date with everything, but I guess they didn't think that I was going to leave. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so the process now to transferring is so easy, which I mean, it's, there's two different sides of it. Like some coaches make your life very hard when you want to transfer mm -hmm. because there's coaches out there that they, I don't know whether that's their ego or whatever, but they just don't like it when kids leave their program when it's not a good fit for them. So like, I understand that part needs to be easier for these kids, young adults to go on and go to a better environment for them. But then there's the other side where, oh, I'm not playing. I'm going to transfer somewhere where I can play, you know? So like there's no work ethic. So it's this yeah. double. Yeah. So I like the transfer portal, transfer portal for those athletes that need to leave out of a bad situation. But then if you're just trying to transfer just because you want to play, like, well, you need to work hard to play and put in the, the work for it. So, yeah. Yeah, I follow I follow kind of like a college ball a lot, and I was like, man, there's one guy that I've been following. He transferred at least like five times. I'm like, oh, I'm like, hey, man, I guess you got to play somewhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you got the U and I, and now how? So in terms of you know, you said you want to go to a place where the volleyball culture is good, and you know, and you know, it's a good program. How do you fit that in after that transfer? Um. Fitting in, honestly, was kind of difficult looking back at like all four years because, well, one, when you transfer, I transferred mid-year, uh, mid which was tough because everybody already has their um, routine and their friends, whatever they like to do in their off time. So that was kind of difficult, like um, being integrated into the team that way. But um, once I was in with the team got to know everybody it was easier especially that following year my sophomore year because then I got to start off with everybody um so that was good but then I was the only yeah I was the only one on my team that was from like not the midwest so I came from like four states over whereas everybody on my team is from Iowa which is great because there's so much talent in Iowa. Um, so it's kind of cool to like have that, those local kids and the local support system. But then we also had recruits from Minnesota, Nebraska, Missouri, like all the surrounding states as well. So I was the only one that was not from the Midwest and like grew up with mountains and all this adventure. And all of my teammates were like, oh, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado. I'm like, and then I would get the, oh, what's even in Idaho? Is it just potatoes? <laughs> like, and I'm like, um, we're just like Colorado. We have the Rocky Mountains. Did you not take like geography growing up? Like the Rocky Mountains go through Idaho. <laughs> yeah. So it was funny. I would like knowledge bomb, like everybody that would make fun of Idaho because they just had no idea what was there. And like, I could just spit facts about Idaho 
because I was like, it's way cooler than you think. Like you don't understand because you haven't been there. Um, and it's funny, I ended up going to a state that Idaho and Iowa are the two most mixed up states ever. And so I would always get like, oh, everybody always mixes us up with Idaho and calls us the potato state. And I'm like, yep, like I've, I've heard this, like it's the jokes are just not funny anymore. So that got real annoying real quick. Um, but and it's another funny thing is that in Iowa, all you see is cornfields. All that's all you see. It's so flat and it's just cornfields. Yet in Idaho, I've never seen a potato farm. Really? Because the potatoes are just in one tiny part of Idaho. And the rest of Idaho is just like gorgeous nature. So we always had that mindset. We always thought Idaho was just potatoes too. So I'm glad we have a conversation because I was one of the people. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, everybody thinks that. So um, it's fine. I've gotten used to it, but it's it's the constant like jokes that my teammates would make all the time. And I'm just like, come on, guys, like this is old. <laughs> Like I refer Idaho, I gotta represent my state. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but we did have one overseas player. Um, can't remember where she was from. It was either like Belgium or Netherlands. She had also played in like multiple different countries. So she was also the second person that we've had that was very from very far away. But other than that, I think it's just been me that's been the furthest. Um, recruit so yeah represent yeah <laughs> so so now you're you're in, so after that you know that, that first semester there you kind of now you know learn, learn the team learning your teammates learning the culture um how did that how did your first full season go you know being you know part of you and I um so my first full season I was actually supposed to redshirt which I knew well aware of. I wanted to redshirt actually, um, but then we had a couple people quit or transfer. And so then I had to step into the role of being that third middle to come off the bench or you know, to sub in for the outsides or opposite. So I had to fill that role. Um, so my first season was, I was on the bench, um, but I was always ready to go. Um, I was always looking like up the bench, like at Bobby, whenever she would like look down and she would just give me the nod and like, like, Hey, warm up off and going in. And she would tell me for who, and mostly I went in for the middles. Um, but yeah, that first season I was kind of the seventh man, like kind of like basketball, like the, you got that sixth man. I was like the seventh man. So while you're there, is there any thought about the next chapter? You know, was it was it was it thought about just going straight and going through the coaching, or was there any other thoughts? Um, I as soon as I got D1 offers, the next thing in my brain was, okay, I want to see if I can play pro. I want to I want to see how high of a level I can play at. Um, and so that was kind of my next goal after college, but. I then had a shoulder injury. My, it wasn't like, oh, it happened at this time. It was a like overuse injury. And based on how my anatomy is, it just didn't really get any better. And I had to have surgery, but um, it was a very minimal surgery come to find out. But for three and a half years, I was told I had a labrum tear or it's not a labrum tear, but it's a slap tear, meaning the labrum is peeling from the bone, um, which is a invasive surgery to have. And I, from two different doctors, my athletic trainer and my coach all gave me the advice of I should wait because if I have the surgery, it's six to nine months recovery and you don't know how you're going to end up after. So I took that advice and played through this shoulder injury, which affected my college career. I, um, I earned a starting spot my junior year as an opposite. Um, and then probably a third of the way through season, I lost that starting spot because I just, the 
I couldn't hit certain angles. Like it hurt to do this motion. It hurt to hit straight down. Um, so my performance wasn't the same. It got to the point where I couldn't even push open a door with my right arm or pick up my backpack. So I was using my left arm for a lot of things. I was in physical therapy three days a week. I was doing treatment with athletic trainers every single day for three years. Um, yeah. So then I'm starting thinking like, okay, if I'm not starting and I'm not performing, how can I play pro? So then I started thinking, okay, maybe I should just um, go straight to grad school or pursue beach volleyball. But then the same thing with beach volleyball, if I'm not, if I'm not able to hit the same as indoor, then I'm probably not going to be able to hit the same as mm. on the beach. So then I started more towards uh, grad school and getting my master's because I know my coach told me you need a master's to coach college. It doesn't matter what the master's is in, you just need it. Um, so I started looking into that route. I later had shoulder surgery after my senior year. Um, I went to the best doctor in the state of Iowa because I it was going to be paid for by my university. So I was like, well, I want the best. So I went to him in Iowa City, Dr. Wolf, and he takes a look at the MRI that I had taken three and a half years prior. And he looks at me, he's like, your labrum's fine. And I'm like, what? What do you mean it's fine? I'm in so much pain. Like, I can't even push open a door. How do you, what do you mean it's fine? And so then he was like, well, it's not torn from the MRI, um, but you, you have really small shoulder joints. And I think, you know, your bicep tendon is rubbing on this bone here. So then it's getting inflamed and then it's inflaming everything else in the shoulder joint because there's just no room for things to have its own space. And that's why I was in so much pain all the time was because literally everything in my shoulder was inflamed and just like constantly throbbing so he then said we can do a scope surgery I can clean things up um, I'll take a look at your labrum I actually had to sign a waiver saying like if it's torn go ahead and fix it if it's not then you know leave it alone and he looked in there the labrum was fine my uh, CA ligament which holds down your clavicle was a little frayed so he shaved that down, took out a bursa to create more space because you have multiple bursa sacs in your shoulder, which just like uh, all that does is provide like lubricant. Mm -hmm. um, and then took out some scar tissue that was building up and I, I now have a brand new shoulder and it took me six weeks to recover. Six weeks. But you're like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to Oh yeah. I was like, I was so ready, but then I was so angry because I was like, I just wasted my college career on a six week surgery thinking it was going to be six to nine months and that my attacking swing might not be the same. So I was so angry for such a long period of time about it because you can't go back and play college. I can't have that experience again. And so I was like, well, that could have maybe given me the confidence to want to play pro and pursue that instead of going to get my master's, blah, blah, blah. But then I remember my mom saying like, oh, this might be like a blessing in disguise because I'm not a huge fan of school. I actually hate it. It's not, it's not what I'm meant to do. I'd rather, I'll just learn in a different way than like taking tests and trying to memorize things. That's not how I learn. And so I was not looking forward to going to grad school. I was looking forward to coaching though um, and learning that through that experience. But my mom was like, you know, you can go get your master's. You won't have a gap year if you went to play pro. Because imagine if you went to play pro and then had to come back and do school again. And I'm like, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> like I'm already in school mode. I should just stay in school mode. And so, that was a blessing in disguise. Like I did my six years of school back to back and now I'm done. I never have to do school again. And, but now I'm playing pro. And so it's, 
it was a blessing in disguise, like, like she said, but you know, I can't get that college experience back, but I still get to play volleyball. And now I'm living my dream of playing overseas. So, 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 so you, so now you want to, so you like get out of surgery and you're like, okay, my dream is still alive. So going from Iowa to overseas, I'm sure it was not the easiest journey, especially after sitting out two years, right? Yeah, so I ended up going to Springfield College in Massachusetts for my grad school. Um, fun fact, that's where actually volleyball was invented, not in, at Springfield College, but in that area by an alumni. And that's actually also the birthplace of basketball. So there's a lot of history over there for sports, which was really cool to live through and like be there where two sports were invented. Um, and a lot of other historic things as well, like the football helmet, um, a lot of like the football rules today were developed there. It, it's crazy the amount of history that's right. at that school. I really want to start a nine point series called Facts by Jaden. Yeah. yeah, I I just I I can spit all these facts out about Idaho, college, volleyball. Yeah. So I lived there for two years. I coached um the women's program, which is division three as a grad assistant um, under Coach Long. Love her. She was such a great um mentor and just a great coach. So um loved that experience and then um kind of helped with the men's program one season as a like intern because I needed some a coaching practicum so I worked with the men a little bit and then I graduated and but while I was there for the two years I was kind of practicing with our team because sometimes I needed to like maybe mimic a hitter that we were going to play against or somebody was injured or sick. So I needed to fill in. Um, and then I was like, wow, my shoulder feels so good. Like, I wonder what I can do like now. So I got into like the adult volleyball scene in new England, which is huge. Um, so I was playing like almost every weekend I could, um, training as an outside, trying to teach myself, okay, how to, what shots do I need as an outside? I knew how to pass, um, but hitting on the middle on the right is just different and you get way more attempts on as an outside. So I needed to learn how to hit in good situations, bad situations. So playing as an outside and I was like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna play pro. Like, I'm gonna try and do this. I don't, I have no idea where to start, but I'm gonna try this and started reaching out to a past teammate of mine that's still playing pro. And she kind of gave me pointers on what to do. I needed an agent. She gave me a couple agents to look into. Um, there's only a few um, in the States, like not, they're not located in the States, but they're run by Americans essentially. So their main jo um, job is to get Americans and place them at jobs. Whereas there's so many agencies overseas that work with all foreigners or any country essentially but um there's only three or four that work with specifically americans coming over and unfortunately all three of those kind of turned me down just because i was two years out of college i wasn't a starter i didn't have all these accolades i played for a mid-major school um but we beat power five schools all the time in um, preseason. So I knew I played for a good program that prepared me, but I just didn't have the accolades to follow up. So no agent wanted to take a risk on me because then that hurts their reputation, which I totally understand, um, but it still sucked. So I had to do it by myself, which was, it definitely sucked because it wasn't like, it was just like, no. Or it was like, no, we're all set, thanks. It wasn't even like, hey, we're good, but maybe try this agency. Or, hey, here's some pointers of how you can do it on your own. Like, but again, that's not their job. Yeah. So like, I understand. I was more understanding of the rejection 
than when I was rejected in high school of like, oh, middles can't pass, you can't pass. And I'm like, no, I'm gonna show you that I can pass. Or like a local college coach telling me that I'm not a D1 prospect. And I'm like, okay, like that, those no's I did not handle very well. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna prove you wrong. Whereas this now is like, yeah, okay, I understand you're not gonna take this risk on me, but it pushed me more to want to try and do it on my own. Um, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to prove you wrong. It was just like, okay, thank you. I'm going to just do this on my own, reach out to more players that I know overseas, um, and just hope that word of mouth would get me in because I knew once my foot was in the door, I was in. It was just getting my foot in the door. That first getting that first contract was really hard. Um, I didn't go right at um, the August, right after graduating with my master's. Um, I ended up coaching at UMass Boston for one season, which they were well aware of my goals and they just needed me for one season. So I was like, this is perfect. I can still coach, um, build that coaching resume and my networking and then I can go and try and play overseas. So my next, I guess, route was, okay, word of mouth isn't working for me right now. This one agency offers a, like a tryout tour. So I was like, okay, maybe I can do this tryout tour and maybe somebody will be interested in me and I can transfer onto a team. So I was thinking about doing that. And then I just had this gut feeling of like, no, I shouldn't do this. Like I'm, I'm good enough to get on a team without it. Cause it was pretty expensive. It was like $300, uh, not $300, $3,000, um, but included like your stay and, um, but the trap, but then your travel to Europe also had to be covered on your own. So I was like, that's pretty expensive for like a 10 day tryout and I'm not guaranteed anything. So I just had this gut feeling. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to wait it out and keep playing, keep reaching out to people and hope that something works out. Well, then literally three weeks later, a teammate of mine that I ended up playing with over the summer at adult USAV adult nationals, she was playing overseas for her first year and she reached out to me and she was like, Hey, are you still trying to play? And I'm like, yes like immediately responded, yes, I am. And she was like, well, both of our outsides just got injured. We need someone ASAP. Um, I'll get you in contact with my coach. I was like, oh my gosh, sweet. I was so nervous, but so excited at the same time. Um, I had like a little like face-to-face -face interview with him over like WhatsApp or FaceTime or whatever. And we chatted, we um, realized like, yeah, this is gonna be a good fit. Um, we'll book your ticket. You're going to leave in three days. I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah. But I was prepared for that just because of everybody I had talked to. They kind of let me know the process and stuff. So I knew that was coming, but then it was like actually happening. I was like, oh my God, I leave in three days. What do I need? Like, luckily I already have my passport. Like I have all the information ready. It was just like, but what do I need to live overseas? You know, and like there's things you don't think of that you like might need, like the plug-in adapter, you know, like I needed some of those. I needed like, I'm going to Finland, by the way. I'm like, what do I need in Finland? It's, it's like near the Arctic Circle. It's going to be so cold. Like, do I need these boots or like what type of coat do I need? And luckily I, living in Iowa, it was pretty cold. So I like had a heavy du duty winter coat, but it was just like, oh my gosh, what do I need? Like, I was just like, I only have three days to get everything. And so it was pretty hectic and had to say goodbye to my boyfriend and we had just gotten a new dog and my parents were over in Idaho. So they said bye to me like over the phone and stuff. But next thing I know I was on a flight to Finland and I've never been overseas in my life. My biggest worry was like, okay, I'm gonna land in Paris how do I navigate this airport? Like, is anything going to be in English? Like, 
it was it was crazy so many unknowns right yeah so many unknowns but I was so excited at the same time so so if we pause your journey from at this moment right you're on an airplane to Paris you know and if you like flash back to I guess like that middle school Jaden that was still playing basketball and volleyball yeah what advice would you, would you tell her about the journey coming up oh my gosh um my advice would just be persistent don't take no and um then on that plane I mean it's hard because I feel like I prepared myself very well because I had reached out to so many people and they let me know, like I had two people that sent me a list of things I should pack and things I would need. So like, I don't know if I could be any more prepared. Maybe, um, cause I was even prepared for the darkness. I was even prepared for the darkness in Finland cause in Iowa, it's so cloudy and gray in the winter. And I was not used to that living in Boise where we see the sun in the winter and it gets maybe like 30 degrees, like the mountains get all the snow and, but like our winters in Idaho are pretty warm in the Boise area. So everything, I had more of a culture shock moving to Iowa, I think, than moving overseas. I think I was, I was just way more prepared because I just, I guess the advice was just do as much research as you can that'd be my advice because you can't there's no such thing as too much research so I guess that would be my advice but I was I was honestly pretty well prepared it was just everything happening so fast was just like oh my gosh it's real it's coming to life from 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 hearing your story and hearing hearing you kind of tell it now I think the the, the, I think I think I think I think like one advice for any athlete listening is to like expect your dreams to come reality because like it seems like you you told yourself this is going to happen I don't know when but this is going to happen at some point and so you stay prepared for when that moment came that you could be ready oh yeah that's very true because like I was so prepared for it to happen and then it happened and it was just like oh my gosh this this is real life this is actually happening I've I've made it so yeah, that's totally, you're exactly spot on with that. It's cool to kind of see this, this journey kind of, cause I read it and if they hear you tell it, it kind of brings it to life a little bit more. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now you're, you land in Paris, you're, you're here, you're about to go to Finland. What, what's next? You know, like, like how did this, now you're actually officially a pro journey, pro athlete, you're living your dream. Is there more? So what next what was next for me was like okay I'm on a team I need to perform and then try and get an agent because I mean there's some people that can do it by themselves but you really need an agent because their networking is just better um and playing overseas like trying to find a team isn't the same as trying to get recruited whereas oh I can go to University of Northern Iowa, click volleyball, click coaching staff. Oh, there's all their emails and email them my film. It's not the same because coaches also change every year from team to team. So, and trying to find these professional teams like websites, well, they're all foreign websites. So it's like the team I played for would be ligaploki.fi, not.com, you know, so it's, so they really have all the connections and it would have been easier to do it through an agent. So that was my next process. Um, but the transition to playing overseas was really hard because you play with a different ball. And as a receiver or a passing player, um, you are expected to pass all the time. Um, and you're on the court the whole time. You only get six subs. Whereas in the States, you get more than that. So we have like a position called the defensive specialist where they can sub in and out with an outside or opposite and play back row for them. But overseas, you can't do that. You only get six subs and there's an entry and exit rule. So if I'm on the court and I get subbed out, that's an exit. 
and I get subbed back in, I can no longer get subbed out again. So you're expected to be consistent and be good basically on the court. So that was a learning curve for me, not learning curve. It was just like a little more pressure. Um, and then trying to pass this FIVB ball was just so hard because the ball just floats like nobody's business. It's like a knuckleball um, compared to the NCAA ball because that NCAA ball just doesn't move at all. So the passing was harder. <laughs> but what were you going to say? No, so it's, so you kind of had to re readjust the game a little bit. Yeah, readjust, yep. So, um, yeah, that first year or that first half season was just all about readjusting and getting acclimated to the style of volleyball. Um, but then, unfortunately, COVID hit. So I was only there for two and a half months and had to go back home. So I had no idea what my plan was. I didn't have an agent. I didn't really have good film to use to persuade an agent to hire me or be for me be their client. And so then I actually ended up staying with that same club. Um, so I knew I was like, okay, I need to get one more year at this club, perform well, and then maybe I'll get some interest from an agent. Um, because if I wanted to play outside of Finland, I would need an agent. I think I could have done it myself if I wanted to stay in Finland, but I was kind of over the cold and the darkness and just wanted to experience something else. So um, I signed as a libero, which was super shocking that they wanted me as a libero. Cause I was like, did you see my passing? Like, did you see it? Like my defense is great, but did you see my passing? Like that was terrible. Um, but my passing last year, just everything like clicked. Um, I ended the season, I think top 10 in passing percentage. And I was the, well, when I got moved back to outside, I was the only outside in this list of liberos that had a very good passing percentage. So super confident in my passing. passing. Um, and right now I'm confident in my passing. So that clicked and came together. And then after about two and a half months, I made the change back to outside because just one of our outsides wasn't performing and um, we just needed a change. So I went back to outside, which I was kind of excited about because I felt like I wasn't given a chance as an outside. Um, so I wanted to see what I could do. Um, my first game back, I scored 28 points. My first game back as an outside. Hadn't practiced as an outside, only been playing libero. I scored 28 points. No big deal, right? You know, so I was just like, oh, okay, let's go. Like, let's go. I can be an outside. Um, still loved being a libero. Um, defense and passing is honestly my favorite part. Um, and uh, so it was fun. I wouldn't mind going back to being a libero. Maybe when I'm older and can't jump anymore my knees are not as good so but yeah I'm really glad like I think that happened for a reason went back to the outside had a great rest of the season um, I was the go-to player um, a little too much I was getting like 60 swings a game which is a lot for even though outside gets a lot of attempts that's a lot for an outside um, but I yeah I had a great year and then an agent reached out to me and was like, hey, like, I see you. Do you, are you represented by anybody? Uh, I was like, no, I'm not. Like, what do you have to offer? Like, as an agency, like, what's your, you know, plan, umbrella, you know? And so I signed with him. His name is Nick from Bring It Promotions. And then he got me this great job at Smash in Switzerland. So, um, yeah, super happy with where he put me. And right now I'm the third outside on the team. So I'm, I knew that coming in, I wanted to grow and get better and just like learn a lot instead of having the pressure of being good for every game. I thought what they called again, right? For you, you and I coming into the new team. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's normal. So like 
every year is the new team. Maybe a couple players stay, but like that's just how it is here. It's normal. So, but um, yeah, so I'm playing behind two national team outsides. One's uh, was on the national team for like 10 years for Canada. And the other one is a Switzerland player and she was on the national team this last summer. So like I'm behind two great players and get to learn a lot from them. And my coach, I couldn't be happier with. He's so knowledgeable of the game and um, is really good with technical skills organizing practice, um, our strategy, game plans, scouting, like all this stuff I notice because I coached for three years. So I pay attention to these things. And so, yeah, I really like him as a coach and would love to play for him again next year, but it just depends where he goes and what offers I get. So your journey was so aligned. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. You know, like, like all the setbacks and the being blessings in a sense to kind of get yeah. you ready for the now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's so. never would have thought like, because once I had that shoulder injury, it was just like, okay, I think my volleyball career is kind of over. Maybe I can just play for fun type of thing. But yeah, everything just aligned. And I think everything happened for a reason. And I stayed persistent in what I wanted and worked hard for to achieve this goal, dream. So yeah, it's just everything worked out and super happy with how far I've come and where I'm at today. So So I guess two more questions for you for you for you go. Kind of you have a you have a scrimmage to go to. So 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 what's next for you? You know, like after this season or what like or you know, or sort of say right now, what's like your your next big goal? So I want to play um, as much as I can. And then when I'm done with overseas, because this lifestyle is hard. I mean, we're away from friends and family for nine months out of the year. And um, playing on a team is not the same as like the college environment of a team where you're like a family, you got that culture. You know, you're just very tight knit group here. It's, you know, I'm playing with 18 year olds, a 31 year old, like our age range is very big. Um, and everybody has kind of like their own life. Like some still go to school, some work, um, some are going to college, you know, and then us foreigners, we're just, we're here and we play volleyball. So um, that lifestyle is tough. Um, so I think when I'm done with that, I'll, go back to the States and maybe chill for a little bit. But my next goal is I want to be a pro beach volleyball player. Um, so that's what I do in the summers. I play a lot of sand um, and beach with my partner, Jalen Keene. She's uh, also a pro. She plays in France. We played together last year and we actually were enemies um, in college. We were in the same conference. So um our history goes way back too it's so funny how small the volleyball world is but that is very true yeah so she's my beach partner um we're trying to pursue that goal together and play on the avp but that's tough because beach volleyball is growing so fast in the states and now we're finally seeing like beach volleyball became an ncaa sport in like 2014 2016 around then and now we're now we're finally seeing those athletes graduate and I've played against a couple of them and holy smokes these these chicks are good like so I'm I'm behind I've I never played beach um I just my club coach taught me a couple summers and I play for fun and tournaments and stuff um but I've never played at the college level I've never had real coaching so it's just another thing I'm going to be the underdog at, but I'm, again, I'm persistent. I want to try. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but at least I tried and went for it. So that's my next goal. And um, while I'm playing beach, I think I'll also coach college somewhere um, just because being a pro beach volleyball player doesn't pay the bills 
Whereas being an indoor pro volleyball player does pay the bills because I get a monthly salary. My apartment is paid for. I get a car. Um, so I get all these top of getting paid. But being a pro beach volleyball player, I only get paid if I win. If I win these tournaments and I'm winning the prize, that's how you get paid. Or you're just good enough where you get sponsors from from these companies and brands that want to sponsor you i'm nowhere near at that level yet yet exactly so play becoming a pro beach volleyball player is going to be a, a much bigger mountain to climb um but i i want to try it i want to do it so that's my next goal hey well knowing you from the call you know it'll it all work out yeah so we'll see and then last question for you, social media, websites, where are you at? So I am on Instagram, like I have a personal account and I'm actually, you know this, but to let other people know, I actually do my own podcast and I'm starting my own brand. Um, it's called Volleyball Bum. Um, the bum part of it is like, you know, think of a beach bum. Somebody just lives and breathes volleyball. Um, I play indoor, I play beach, I play grass, maybe I'll play snow volleyball someday, maybe, you know, and it's just like the encompass of like volleyball and um, our like quote is one who travels the world chasing a ball and playing a game. Um, Because I feel like that's what the volleyball community is. And that's why I know so many people because I've like, oh, you play pro here, but I played against you at this grass tournament, at this beach tournament, you know, the volleyball community is so tight knit and small. It's great. So that's something that I've started. I, I'm trying to build a website right now, but that with that brand, I have a podcast called Between Two Pros. And that's where I interview other Americans who play professionally overseas because in the States, we don't have professional volleyball yet. Um, Athletes Unlimited is doing a league, but it's only five weeks long. So that's not really sustainable to pay the bills. Um, And then League One Volleyball, which I need to get in touch with them, is starting, trying to start a full-blown league, just like how it is over here. Um, So that's supposed to be announced this year, but probably won't go into effect for another couple of years, maybe. Um, so I'm trying to bridge that gap of, okay, we got college, high level college volleyball in the States, but now if you want to play at a higher level, you have to go overseas to play or you're on our national team, which is tough because our national team is made up of like 40 of the best players in the country. So that's tough to get into. Um, so we all go overseas to play. And so I'm trying to bridge this gap and let Americans back home know like hey there's this world over here you can follow elite volleyball players and to let other Americans know that play volleyball I had no idea about professional volleyball so I'm sure there's other people like me that have no idea and maybe want to get into it and so I'm trying to help them with that journey I did everything myself and so I am very well aware of how that process is but I'm also interviewing other Americans and they can share their stories because volleyball, we don't have, there's not a big platform out there for us um, unless you're on the national team. Um, There's a lot of uh, men run brands and programs that are in the volleyball community, which is great. So I was like, well, I'm a woman. I want to represent this community. So I want to do my own thing. Um, So trying to navigate that and I just want to grow the game and share like just like I'm sharing my story with you that was the whole start of this was I want to share my story and I'm sure there's other volleyball players out there that want to share their stories and the ups and downs of their journey and that's the whole point of the podcast is to grow the game and you know have a platform for volleyball players to like be a star on if that makes sense you know yeah, like i love it yeah. we got to collab more then yeah gotta, for sure yeah. i mean a lot a lot of story to share yeah and I love 
And we and we gotta start this um facts by Jaden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might run out of facts soon though. I I always have my like go-to, like I can spit facts about Idaho and I can spit facts about Springfield College. Those are like my two things. So I need to well, I don't know, I need to spit well, facts about other things. We need your help though, because like because like for me, like I, I wanna do more more volleyball. And like we started doing it, but I'm not a volleyball guy, just like just like you say, you know. So if me, it's like I want to help out, but it's really the voices like like you that really connect, you know, the community. You know, I'm just kind of just yeah. the dude with the mic. So so definitely, let's find a way to collab more. And I loved your story. Like yeah. I think it's, it's it's relatable because it's just about being relentless, you know, and just saying like I don't know how yet, but I'm going to get there. And if you mm-hmm. doubt me. You're gonna you're gonna be watching me one day. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, thank you so much. Hey, so props to you, Jaden. Um, enjoy the scrimmage. Enjoy your, the playoffs, right? Semis. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the semis. So. Okay, so hopefully by the time this thing airs, you're in the finals and win the championship. Yeah, I hope so. That's the goal. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.